and welcome to the Midweeks with Pastor Rob. It's Romans time. I want to do a little series going through Romans 9 through 11. Uh, This series of chapters, Romans 9 through 11, are some of the most uh, theologically difficult and controversial chapters in all of the Bible. And so, hey, why not go there? And I want to go there for a couple of reasons. Number one is because I want to think through it. I want to think through what's going on there. I want to understand what's going on there. I want to um, have thought through it. And so, and I want to share what's going on through there. And I want to invite you to come and think deeply through it and to read through it yourself if you're listening through these podcasts. And as we go through Romans 9 through 11, I really want to invite you to read it for yourself. Um, And the other reason is I want to learn, okay? As I do these podcasts and I study scripture, I find that I actually learn a lot. I don't always change my mind, but sometimes things get deeper or clarified. And so I'm going to go through Romans 9 through 11. And what I thought I would do today, instead of just starting right at the first verse and working my way through, I want to introduce to you what are going to be for me three uh, pillars of understanding these four chapters three pillars for understanding these four chapters. Now, as an overview, the book of Romans is Paul's longest letter, and he's sending this gigantic letter to the church in Rome because he wants them to support him as he plans to go and do missionary work in Spain. If you read the final chapters of the letter, that's what you see. He says, I'm going to Spain. Um, I'm out of work here, out of area for work. Now, there's tons of people not saved, but his job is planting churches, and so he's planted churches, or other people planted churches. He wants to go somewhere where there isn't churches. There aren't churches. And so he wants to go to Spain. And he wants to travel to Rome, which is neighboring Spain. And he wants to uh, be introduced to them and personally, because he's never been there before. And he wants to uh, see if they'll support him. He wants another missionary base. So he sends this long letter that explains his gospel. And in the meantime, he wants to bless them as well. And he knows that the church in Rome is full of Jews and Gentile Christians living together. And, you know, if um, the history of uh, the New Testament era is true that I've heard, you know, it's been a complicated time. There was a time not too long before this letter was written where all the Jews were actually expelled from Rome. And as you look through the paperwork or the historical papers we have, it had something to do with a Crestus riot, one of the Roman historians wrote. And so some people suspect that maybe it had to do with a Christos riot, not Crestus in, in Latin, Crestus, but Christos, the Greek word for Christ. And some suspect that the preaching of Christ was causing some real havoc in Rome. And one of the emperors decided that uh, he was done with the troubles and the riots and he just kicked all the Jewish people out. Well, the Jewish people are obviously back and they're um, in the capital city of the world, essentially. And uh, there's Jew- gentle Christians there, and there's Jewish Christians there, and they're still figuring out how to do life together. And so as you read through Romans from the beginning to end, you'll know there's lots of um, addressing both Jews and Gentiles. You know, um, sometimes Paul will talk to the Jewish people, sometimes he'll talk to the Gentile people. And so this is one of his major concerns is to address both these parties and to talk about how the one Christ through the one gospel that's given from the one God is um, saving one people who are made up of Jews first and Gentiles also. And so this is a really important um, part of Paul's theology in this letter. He's kind of talked through the entire gospel. He's talked about the problem 
that the gospel addresses, which is human fallenness and human sin and the wrath of God being over mankind. And then he talks about the gospel, which begins in chapter 3, and uh, the explanation of being saved by faith through grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, conquering the flesh and the sinful nature. And that takes us to the end of chapter 8. And after the sections 9 through 11, he's going to talk to, starting in verse 12, about how to do life together. And so there's a lot more practical application, but a big part of that practical application is how do Jews and Gentiles live together when the Jewish people still want to keep their purity laws, and the Gentile people aren't called to come into that kind of life. And so here are these four really huge chapters, uh, verses chapters 9 through 11, and I want to share three key sections of scripture, which I think really help us navigate through some really dense theological arguing. Uh, Paul argues very, very, very deeply and quickly in these passages, and he's quoting lots of Old Testament scripture. Uh, One of my old professors said once, you can always tell when somebody's arguing hard because they quote a bunch. And I think that this portion of scripture has the most quotations per verse um, out of any place in scripture, maybe rivaled in Hebrews, but there's just tons of quotations. So Paul's really arguing here. And so it's, I find it for a long time, you know, it's, it's easy to get lost. Maybe a lot of people feel that way. So I want to give us three pillar verses that will help us to understand what's going on. And the first is chapter nine, verse six, Paul writes this, he says, but it is not as though the word of God has failed. In context, he's talking about how, by and large, the Israelites and the Jewish people aren't turning to Christ, but he has this this line here, it's not as though the word of God has failed. And I'm sharing this because this is one of the key uh, reasons for this whole section of Scripture, these four verses, is Paul wants to prove that God's word has not failed. His word to Israel hasn't failed, his his prophetic promises through the the prophets hasn't failed, because if God's word failed in the Old Testament or to the Jewish people, then obviously the gospel of Jesus Christ can fail. And all these promises about, you know, being saved by faith and transformed by the Spirit, and if you believe you're saved, um, if God's promises to Israel failed, then obviously God's promises to this new humanity comprised of Jew and Gentile together can also fail. And so Paul it wants to prove from Scripture that God's word hasn't failed. Another key portion of Scripture, I think, is, this is in chapter 11, so this is near the end. Starting in verse 25, Paul says, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of the mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and in this way all Israel will be saved. And I think this is the main uh, message of these four chapters together. As we look over what God, what's happening in the world, all these Gentile people are coming in, are believing in Christ, are being saved, are becoming God's people. And so few, not none, but so few Jewish people in the first century were coming in. What's going on? First thing Paul says is God's word hasn't failed. And the second thing he says is, I don't want you to be ignorant because you'll become proud. If you don't understand what God's doing, you'll become proud. A partial hardening has come over Israel until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And I think this is a key to understanding what's going on here. Paul is trying to get his first century Roman readers to understand that God is working out a purpose. 
And as part of these purposes, it's not time for all of Israel to come in. Right now is the time for the, Jew, the Gentile people to come in en masse. And then once that has been achieved, then Israel will come in en masse. I think that's what he means by all Israel being saved there. But this is a key passage for understanding this whole argument that Paul is going to start at the beginning of chapter 9 and end at the end of chapter 11 is going to try to prove the point that God is working out a plan that involves a partial hardening of Israel and a massive incoming of the Gentiles until the right time when Israel will come in too. And the last of these three pillars, the first one is this, that God's word, word has not failed. The second is talking about a partial hardening of, of Israel until the right time. And the third one is this, is the, the last lines of this whole section where Paul says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. And Paul ends this section of scripture, uh, these four chapters with a doxology, uh, a statement of praise where he's just saying, look, guys, with what I'm telling you, we all need to stop and worship. God is beyond our understanding. He's not held to account by any of us. He's smarter than all of us put together. He's wiser than all of us on our best day put together. He so knows what he's doing. It's our job to worship. And he has this great line from from him and through him and back to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. And if I do my job right during these midweeks, I will be stirring up worship, not complaints, not judgment, not insecurity, but worship will come to see that God is greater than we've known and that he really does know what he's doing and that he is beyond all of my judgment or your judgment or our judgment and he is worthy of amazing worship. So these are three pillars for understanding these passages. Number one, proving that God's word has not failed because God's word can't fail and we're depending on his faithfulness for the gospel. Number two, showing that at the present time, a partial hardening is coming over Israel until a full number of the Gentiles come in and all the details of how that's working. And number three, God is beyond understanding in his wisdom. He reveals his wisdom, but his wisdom is never judged by us. It's our calling to see his power and his might in action and to worship. So I hope you'll join me as we journey through this. And I hope that your worship in God is stirred up as we go through Romans 9 through 11. Be blessed. Mm-hmm.